You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunit, and today I have the pleasure of introducing a very special guest to the show, Andrew McConnell. You see, Andrew is an author, and it didn't always start out that way. It kind of takes a while, right? He has It's not your typical Silicon Valley fairy tale story. So he, you know, from Harvard College, Harvard Law, and he's graduated with um, honors and becoming a member of the U.S. Open Water Swimming National Team and earning international bronze medal in the process. But now entering the world, Andrew took a while to find his footing, bouncing from banker to attorney to consulting. And now he is at a place where he does what he loves and enjoys what he does. And so uh, we're going to talk today about his book, Get Out of My Head. We're going to talk about his journey and how he's been able to not just 10x, but like 50x his success and how he is doing so with other with others. So with no further ado, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. It is my honor to have you. So we got a we got an athlete star among us, right? <laughs> it's been it's been a while. I actually we moved to Bermuda a couple of years ago. And so I started doing open water swimming again for the first time in 20 years and have a, a competition coming up. So I've gotten back into it recently, but that that was a prior life. You're living Michael Felt in the dust, right? Yeah. <laughs> he ain't got uh, nothing on you? <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's next level. <laughs> I'm really, really excited to hear that. And your journey is interesting. Andrew, because you as a star athlete and then getting into the workplace, right? Becoming an attorney and having to work with, uh, was a banker at some point. Your, your journey wasn't so linear. So right. tell us about that process for you. Yeah, I, for me, I, I think I'm a pretty curious person, hence why I stayed in school so long, right? I did undergrad, mm-hmm. then I did law school in the US, then I did law school in the UK, and I just kept learning because I I just love to learn. And I think it was similar for the career path and the journey of, oh, a lot of people told me banking, that's what's really interesting. That's what a lot of people in college were doing. So I Mm -hmm. went and tried it and admitted to myself, no, I don't like this. This isn't something (laughs) I enjoy. So then looked at law and some of my passions. And so I said, okay, let me go to law school for civil rights and human rights. I did that and got to focus on it and work on it and found that I really did not enjoy the work. I was really passionate about the issues, but what the actual work entailed was not interesting to me. Yeah. Okay, well, that's not great. And then in my kind of law school class, we had contracts and we had our corporations class. And I kept thinking, sounds like the really interesting work is done by the business people, not by Mm. the lawyers. Maybe I want to go to that side. So I went into consulting and and did that. And I was helping other people build their companies and eventually said, well, I'm helping all these other people build their companies. Why don't I just start building my own? And so for the past 10 years, that's what I've been doing is building my own companies, Vacation Futures, Rented Capital, and now Rented.com. Yeah. You asked the right questions, right? There's a book called Leaders Ask Great Questions. And it seems like with every pivotal point of your journey, you are asking the right questions. Okay. This sounds like the businesses are all having more 
of a benefit here. So why don't I go start my own business? Why don't I work with those people instead? So those questions were able to kind of guide you towards your next step. It's almost like you've lived nine lives. <laughs> it really is. I, I think so often, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, will default to just moving forward. Hey, I'm already in this, so let me just keep going. And we don't ask the questions. So if you have a great question, that's great. But just asking a question, starting with a question to even ask, instead of mm-hmm. just assuming, oh, this is all there is, start to ask, hey, is there all this is? Is there something else that I'm interested in or that I'm missing or that I would want to pursue mm-hmm. and, and working towards that? Yeah. And so you had different experiences, but learned different skill sets to kind of yeah, lead you to the next venture. Right. Tell us about what some of the skill sets that kind of is universal in your, you know, becoming an employee from an athlete to an employer to being in and now owning your own business and having three different companies and now an author. Yeah. I, I mean, there's something taking away from each one. So the athlete side, just that diligence and the commitment. And even when you're tired, needing to go to practice and training and mm-hmm. competing when you don't feel great and being part of a team that it's not always about the individual time, but really this team mindset of, hey, how are the team scoring? How are they right. earning points? That carried over in every endeavor I had. The the analytical skills, I, I tell people, they say, well, did it help going to law school? Do, do you use any of that? So not the law per se, but the process of how we would think through the law. So all of law mm. school is really, here's this case, was this decided correctly? How did they think through it? What is the logic? And really debating that out made me, I believe, a much better problem solver, which made me a good consultant, which helped me see opportunities and see ideas to start new companies. And then when we're facing problems to address those problems, to problem solve and work through it in that collaborative way. So I think at every step, it's compounding. You know, it's not all one, it's not all the other. You're building something as long as you're thoughtful about it that ideally is better than where you began. Mm-hmm. And I can agree and attest to that. Um, I have my doctorate and a PhD in business and psychology and working through a dissertation, it was kind of like that. It was just like, how do you process through the information? How do you decipher it? Right? How do you creatively think about it? And then it leads you to, to the answer you're looking for. And then it poses another question. Yeah. And then you realize the more you know, the more you don't know. Right. It's that uh, Dunning-Kruger curve, right? Of when you don't know anything, you don't know how little you know. It's once you start to learn, you realize how much you don't know. And then it just keeps going from there. Baffling, isn't it? It's like, oh, I I thought, right, I'm at this level. I know this stuff. And then you realize, oh, man, there's a a whole another door of things I don't know. And that applies in entrepreneurship. So let's talk about that process for you. Having owning your, you have multiple businesses, right? And multiple million dollar businesses at that. So tell us about what that, um, if we stay on that mindset of once the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the first company, I came up with the idea just because I was naive. I didn't know anything about the industry. So it worked this one way. And I mm-hmm. said, well, that doesn't sound like that's the best way. Why doesn't it work this other way? And when I asked that question, people looked at me like I was an idiot and said, well, yeah, if there was a way to do that, everybody would do that other thing. That everybody, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Let me go yeah. try to build that. And I mean, that business 
grew very, very quickly. We were doubling each month. We got up to $2 million a month in revenue. You know, we're just kind of churning through. But then it, it kind of capped out. That, that was as big as that business got. And so then I had to learn and say, okay, well, why? Why is this not continuing to grow? This industry is much bigger and saw some limitations, which instead of saying, okay, this is a limitation said, oh, well, then this is an opportunity. We can address this in this different way. If it's not possible to grow because these people don't have the financial means, what if we create a financing product to give mm-hmm. them the financial ability to do that? And so build another company. That's a company that went from 200,000 one year to three years later, it was doing more than $10 million a year in revenue. It just grew like wildfire that fast. It took off like no other. And then once yeah. I did that, we I had leased up thousands of properties all over the world that we were managing and realized the local companies we were working with weren't making as much money from these properties, running them in the Airbnbs and Burbos like they should. And so said, hey, we could do a better job and built a company around that. And that's what rented.com is, where the pricing engine behind professional Airbnbs, professional vacation rentals, that you think about airlines or hotels, when you go book those, you know the prices change, they fluctuate. But with a lot of times with vacation rentals, people just say, oh, it's $200 a night. Oh, it's $150 a night. But it doesn't need to be. You know, Maybe on Tuesday night, it should actually be $68. And maybe on Saturday night, it should be $225. And then Beyonce announces a new concert and now it's 375, right? Like mm-hmm. it actually changed based on what's going on. And that's what rented.com is, is we're the engine behind doing that for those properties. The various prices, depending Correct. on the need, the demand. Demand and booking patterns. So it looks at every property globally every single day and how things are changing. And it's constantly changing every price for all the properties that we touch. That's fascinating. And so you're working with big companies like Airbnb, as you say, so hotels, they're, they're using rented.com to, yeah, to help pricing. Hotels as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really hotels cool. Vacation so that that's your latest venture, rented.com. What were the previous two ones? It sounds like they kind of build up on each other. They did, yeah. So the first one started back in 2012 is called Vacation Futures. So it was a marketplace business matching homeowners with vacation rental managers through reverse auctions. And then to make that market facilitate and work more fluidly, we created a separate financing product called Rented Capital. It was its own business that would finance those local managers in those transactions. And it was in financing them that we saw this third opportunity and started Rented.com. And so kind of worked through all of it. Yeah, it did. it's all interconnected because then I can see your banker background coming in. Yeah, with right. the second, <laughs> with the second one, so it, yeah. it, it again, it just kind of lead. It led to it. It contributed to who you are or what you have now. All the experiences, yeah. and that's the you know the there's a, a stoic quote that I think people don't even realize is from Seneca of luck is when preparation meets opportunity, and mm-hmm. so it the career path has been nonlinear because it wasn't saying hey I'm only going there. It's at every point being curious and listening. And saying, okay, all that came before is my preparation. What is the opportunity now? Right? Oh, great. Now I can create some luck here because I had this preparation and now this opportunity is in front of me. You're ready to jump into it. Let's talk about Steric. You just mentioned it, how helpful it can be. It, how did it help you, one, getting into school, but how it can help people get into their passion, their line of business? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it... Stoicism, it certainly doesn't have a monopoly on this thinking. I think Taoism, Buddhism, a lot of other religions have some of the same core principles. But 
it comes down to this concept of really separating out what's in our control and what's not. And when you boil it down, the only thing in our control is our mind. Mm -hmm. Our body, a virus can get in it, make us very sick. Our physical Mm -hmm. possessions, they can break. They can be taken away. Even if you're a Russian billionaire, the government can come take everything away. Right? The Mm -hmm. only thing we have and that we own and can control is our mind. It's our greatest asset. And yet we spend our entire lives giving it away to people for free and just renting the pieces back. We give it to social media. We give it to the news cycle. We give it to the person who cut us off in traffic and we're angry the rest of the day. That person doesn't know we exist, but they own our mind. They own our whole mindset the rest of the day. And we're just renting what's left over after we gave it to them. And so for me, that's, that's kind of what led to writing this book is seeing, looking around saying, oh my God, I work in this industry about renting. I have rented.com and renting homes. And we always talk about these are these really valuable assets, but the really valuable asset is our mind. And we're all acting like renters instead of owners. And how and why can we, has this happened and how do we address it? And so that, that's what led me down this whole path of, oh, wait, it's not our fault. Our biology is making us act this way because for hundreds of thousands of years, we didn't live in societies. We mm-hmm. lived in the plains. Like we had totally different environments we evolved for. And now we're getting flooded with data, with podcasts, <laughs> with news, with social media, with videos and texts and Snapchats and everything else constantly that our brains never were coped, were evolved to cope with. And so it's not our fault, but now that we know that the problem exists and we know that it does this, what can we do to address it? And so that's, that was the purpose behind the book of, okay, here's the problem, but here's the solution. And so it's built around these 13 core tenants with very tactical exercises. So it illustrates it from real life examples of Navy SEALs, of the founders of huge companies, of artists, of Olympians people who've taken these ancient practices and put them into practice in today's world to really amazing effect. And not just leaving it at, oh, this is a great aha moment. I feel really good. But now here's the exercise. Here's what you now go do to put this into practice in your own life to now feel that change. And these were all exercises that you know over years and years and years, I started developing myself to say, okay, I'm having to address this problem. How? What's the best way to do it? And so that's how I wanted to, to develop this and, and share it with as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And then with um, the notion of you're all about the rented space, right? And so we're renting our own mind or headspace because we're giving it away for free, as you say. So this is a shift to start investing. Correct. Right. To create this asset. Yeah. Once you're an owner, you can decide how and where to invest it to make it worth more to make it better and greater exactly that's exactly it yeah so and, and now we're investing in our in our head in my in ourselves and investing in our mind and actually saying is this next conversation going to benefit or add to my asset value right <laughs> versus eating away at it it's so interesting because my husband and i were just talking about that <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> so it's perfect perfect timing because now i want to um if you don't mind share with us you have some practices, some exercises. Share with us one that our listeners can actually begin to practice or put in perspective. Yeah. So one that I, I find incredibly useful and kind of a, a great baseline to start 
is what I call zero-based calendaring. So if you think about when you normally create a budget for a business or for your home life, you say, okay, here's what I spent last month or last year, and then here's what we can do next year. Here's how we need to adjust it. There's another way to go about budgeting where you just wipe everything clean and you say, okay, starting from scratch, what do I need? What should I put in place? And so every quarter I go through the process of zero-based budgeting my time because my time is my life. That's Mm -hmm. where I'm spending my mind and saying, how much time each day do I want to sleep? How much each time do I want to have with no devices anywhere within reach that I'm present with my family? How much time do I want to be working within the work bucket? How much time do I want to spend with clients? How much time do I want to spend with my direct reports? How much time do I want to spend on skip level meetings with people who don't directly report to me? With investors, Mm -hmm. learning, reading, writing, all these different pieces. And then that creates how I want to budget my time. Then every week on Friday, I look at the calendar for the week following and hold it against, here's how I said I wanted to live my life. Does that calendar look like that? And if it doesn't, I might need to reschedule some meetings. Say, okay, actually, I can't do this meeting this week. It's going to need to push next. But holding myself to account, not just on the design, but also as I keep going. And then not just defaulting to and say, okay, I did this once, and that's the right answer. I put each quarter, go look at it again. Is this still the right allocation of my life? Has something changed in my life that I want to move things around? Did I learn something this past quarter that changes how I want to spend time going forward? But that way of budgeting your time, because where you spend your time is where you spend your mind. Where you spend your mind is how you live your life. It's so interesting. It's super intriguing just to, to hear the, the concept, because then you can decide on uh, every quarter who needs to get cut out. Yeah. <laughs> Out of your schedule, regular routine conversations that lead nowhere. What's sucking energy from you? What's giving you energy? How do you create more opportunities for the energy giving and take away those ones that are taken away from you? Yeah, that is true because, you know, you got to spend your time with the right people who are going to fuel you. Um, There was a quote that says, if you're in a circle and the people in that circle don't inspire you, then you're in a cage. Right. Because then you're locked down. Mm. You're, you're not mentally growing. You're not thriving in the way that you should. And that that's essentially what that's the stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. I love the title of your book, Get Out of My Head. Who are you talking to? <laughs> yeah. So there, there are three things that we can give our mind away to. There's other people, which is the obvious one. Right. We're choosing mm-hmm. who we give our mind to, whether we're spending time with them or not. Right. Like the person who cuts us off in traffic, we don't know them, but we gave our mind to them when we started getting angry. There's other people, there's events and circumstances outside our control, right? I, I'm sitting here about to get hit by a category three hurricane. I can sit there and kind of whine about it, worry about it, but that's not going to help. I, that's not in my control. I can't decide what yeah. the world is going to do. Mm-hmm. Events and circumstances. And then the third is the most difficult. And that's different and imagined versions of ourselves. That's the past us. That's the future us. It's, oh, it'll all be great once this thing happens. Oh, it'll be great if I just had this other job or if I just did this other thing. It's all these things that we imagine because the reality is we only ever live in one time and that is right now. The future only can exist in our imagination. The past only exists in our head. The only time we actually live is now. And so how much of the time do you want to be spending in the past and the future Versus actually living your life. Oh my goodness. 
The book is teaching us to be present. It's teaching us to be here now. Yeah, that that's certainly part of it. Um, be in the moment. Yeah. Be in the moment. Okay, so now I, I do have to get into that that with you. What are some disciplines, some of the habits that you actually implement on a daily basis to live that truth? Yeah. So for me, I mean, my how I start my day is is pretty programmed, right? So I I don't set an alarm, but I wake up roughly five twenty seven or five twenty eight. Every single day, so weekend, <laughs> nice. whatever it is, that's that's when I wake up. And look, that's the time, and I get up and first I do some kind of what I call prehab exercises. So it's to get moving, it's to get my blood flowing, but it's it's things to kind of help my back and hips and stuff. Different kind of exercises, some sit ups, some push ups to get moving. Then I do a little bit of Mandarin to get my mind working. So I, I use a uh, Duolingo, do some Mandarin mm. practice to get that going. And then I just sit for 20 minutes and, and do a meditation. And then sometimes that's when my daughter comes in and she'll sit with me uh, if she wakes up early. And if not, then I go and do my journaling. So I use different journals. Right now, I'm on a calendar of wisdom by Leo Tolstoy. I've done the Daily Stoic. I've done uh, a bunch of other ones. But I do some journaling where I have a prompt and then I just write. And then it's family time. So then devices aren't around. It's making breakfast for my daughter, making lunch and talking to my wife and, and getting all together and we all get ready for the day. And then take my daughter to school. And depending on the time, I, I may get a swim in then or get the gym in and then really dive into the work day. Yeah. So if you're taking your daughter to school, I'm curious what time she gets up to join you for that meditation because then that's all taking place before 7.30-ish, 8 a.m. Yeah, before eight. Yeah. So if she gets up at like 6.15, then she's up in time for the meditation. So it just depends what time she wakes up. So most days she sleeps late enough that I get the meditation and journaling time before she's awake, mm-hmm. which is kind of how my schedule is ideally designed. But some days she just wakes up early and she she knows not to come in and say, Daddy, I want breakfast. Come do this. She just comes mm-hmm. and sits in my lap and we just <laughs> meditate together. That's that's beautiful. You incorporated the family into it, and and also she knows, yeah, she knows that's daddy's time. She knows so it's, daddy it's needs our time. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's a skill. I th- I think it's the ability to have that noticing, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about being present, to be present, you have to notice when you're not. You have to notice when your mind starts jumping back or jumping forward. And there's no better training for that, I don't think, than meditation, than sitting there and concentrating on your breath and then noticing when your mind starts to wander and coming back. And so to be able to share that with her and help teach her that skill set at this age, I, I think it's just one of those things that's going to give her a great, uh, great gift all throughout life. Yeah, a great start. And I and that stuff is not taught in the schools because right. you, imagine, you think about schools and you've been in school for a while. There's nowhere in your journey where somebody told you or taught you how to concentrate. And we, we hear teachers telling our kids all the time, focus, concentrate, concentrate. But no one ever teaches us how to concentrate. Right. That's where the meditation comes in and becomes super powerful. Yeah. To, can we control our attention as opposed to other people controlling it? Yeah. And um, you, you mentioned this earlier, but I, w- I was thinking the only thing we can control you started off with was our mind. However, we spend a whole load of time trying to control external environment, right? Mm. 
Well, I, I mean, ideally not, right? Like that's where I, I stop trying to control my external environment. You know, the second chapter is know your boundaries. And the exercise for that is to rest, is to recognize where those boundaries lie. What, what do you control and what don't you? And then E, exert control where you actually have control. Yeah. S, stop putting mind and time on things you don't control. And then T, on rest, track. Are you actually spending your mind and time on these things that you control or not? And then notice and course correct. Because spending mind cycles and spending your, your life on things, it's a waste of life because you can't do anything about it. You're just wasting your time and your mind. Your biggest asset, you know, your most valuable asset, your Absolutely. time yeah. being wasted. Stop being a renter and start investing. <laughs> don't, don't treat your mind like you're a renter. Owners think about their assets or properties differently than tenants. Treat your mind like the owner that you are, not like a tenant. Coming from the multi-million dollar business rented.com <laughs> owner, owner of rented.com. I really love how you coupled them, how you married the two. That is brilliant. And thank you so much for sharing that. So let's talk about how we can connect with you. How we can, where can we find you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm most active on LinkedIn and accept anybody's connection there. If people want to find me on LinkedIn, I am Andrew McConnell. Uh, my website is mandrewmcconnell.com. At, on Twitter, I'm at M.A. McConnell. On Instagram, I'm M. Andrew McConnell. So I'm on all the socials uh, if you want to find me there, but most active, again, on Instagram or on my site. You can always contact me through there. And then rented.com, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Fine. Keeping it simple. I appreciate it so much. And thank you for sharing that refreshing insight uh, oh. on how to... It is. It really is refreshing. And I, my mind is rejuvenated from it, just like listening to it. It's confirmation that um, we're doing the right things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of times just a sanity check. I'm like, yep, that's good. Good, good. Yeah. You've been amazing, Andrew. Thank you so much for your time and coming Thank on the you. show. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time. <laughs>